0: Genesis 1.31, Then God saw everything that He had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day.
1: Walking Through the Book. Uh, My name is Stephen McCrary and I want to introduce you to a new podcast we want to try to do. And today we want to tell you a little bit about ourselves and what we really want this show to be about. And so uh, with me, my friend Bryant. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Bryant.
0: Hey, I am Bryant Bales. I live in Savannah, Georgia, and I am working as an evangelist with the Garden City Church of Christ in Savannah, Georgia. All right. And I am uh, Stephen McCrary. I'm an
1: evangelist working with the North Columbus congregation, North Columbus Church of Christ in Columbus, Mississippi. We got this podcast together because uh, we feel like both of us have uh, had some time together to to think about things, and we've studied a lot together in the past. And there are some things I think that, uh, that we think could be useful for people uh, in terms of listening to a podcast. I mean, you're going through your day what are you thinking about? You know, there there are a lot of podcasts out there. There are a lot of religious podcasts out there. There are a lot of unreligious podcasts out there. And uh, you know, first of all, as we start this, we want to we want to thank you for uh, for taking the time to to listen to this podcast. And uh, hopefully, we have something that's not just uh, you know entertaining. We're not really here to entertain, by the way, but something that'll be useful for you. Um, so often in our society we're not actually growing we're not actually developing in our uh, in our mindsets in in what we're doing and especially we're not growing very well so often when it comes to understanding god's will and understanding what he wants for us and so that's one of the reasons that we're doing this podcast we want to talk about today some things that we uh you know again sort of Maybe a little bit more into why we're doing this podcast. Secondly, we want to talk about our goals and our hopes for this podcast. And then we want to go into our first chapter of the Bible. As we, as the title of the show is Walking Through the Book, we want to walk through the book, meaning we want to walk through the Bible. Every episode, Lord willing, we're going to be looking at one chapter per episode, Now, that's not necessarily set in stone. There may be some times where we have shorter chapters, and maybe we deal with two chapters at a time or three, and we may have to summarize some things because there are some parts of of the Scriptures where we see that, uh, uh, that these concepts are bound together in the text, and if we separate them and piece them out, maybe we're not seeing as much of the picture as we need to. Of course, there's no limit to how far we could go with that, but I'm just saying basically... We're going to try each time to look through one chapter of the Bible, and uh, we're going to be looking at this with a sense that this is a special text. Many people uh, have almost an academic view of the Bible that we really believe tends to rob it of its power. Would you agree with me, Bryant? Absolutely. So. Our purpose here is threefold ultimately number one we want to encourage bible reading we want to encourage you to know that the bible is not a dead book and uh, we want to make sure that we're reading it in a a, an appreciative way and that maybe that'll encourage you to know that this is not something that that uh, we can't do not something that that is up for someone else to take care of for us. Secondly, our purpose is to demonstrate, hopefully, proper and responsible study of the Bible. Again, you know, some people may have an academic idea about the Bible and not let it really speak to them, speak to their soul, and speak to their heart. We want to know, we want you to know that study and meditation of the Bible should never be an intimidating thing and that anybody can study the Bible for themselves and understand its message. You do not need uh, a preacher, a priest, whoever you want to try to talk to. You do not need someone to explain the word for you. Now, it may be helpful from time to time. And certainly part of what we're doing here is to help try to explain uh, what's going on. But um, but we also want to help you to understand that the word is still needed. And that the word, as Isaiah fifty-five eleven says, will perform what the Lord has intended. It's not going to return to him void. And so the word works, so we can trust the word. Um, also, we want, to, uh, we want to emphasize what the text says. Uh, and, and I say that no more, no less. Because if we try to uh, quote from commentaries and try to pull from articles and philosophers and things like that all the time then what are we doing? We're, we're putting focus on men and not focus on the scriptures. So we need to focus on the scriptures. Uh, we even want to try to avoid uh, overusing our personal experiences, right? Um, I, I think sometimes even in teaching the Bible, people can go to themselves and try to look, look at themselves to try to teach something. And, and again, there's a place for that, I think. But at the end of the day, who are we glorifying? Who are we pointing people to? And uh,
0: so we wanna we wanna try to think of that as well. There's something brief kind of on on those lines, uh you know, with the purpose. Uh John seventeen three and first Corinthians two, but John seventeen three says, This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent, and in first Corinthians two uh verse ten, but God has revealed to them to us through the Spirit, through his Spirit for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. And in verse 12, you know, Paul recounts that we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may know the things that have been freely given to us by God. And so, uh, you know, our, our purpose is to know God. And, and God has given us everything that accomplishes that purpose to know Him and to know, to know the depths of His character. And so, you know, everything in the Scripture is 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 for the purpose given by God that we could know him, uh know him deeply and know him intimately, know him fully. And that certainly should always be the purpose in, in Bible study and in reading the word is is to come to know God more intimately through everything He's written. And so um that that certainly is something um that, that we'll be really striving to keep in mind as, as we go through our reading.
1: Obviously understanding the purpose of our life is going to help us understand the need for this text, the need for the Bible, right? Um, the need for us to understand God's will and, and God's words. And so I, I appreciate that, Bryant. Um so when we go into our goals for this podcast, our goals and our hopes, um, first of all, we ourselves, you know, me and Bryant, we want to do our best to Humbly declare the glory of God recorded in His Word. Um, Again, we want our lights to just be the light that is reflected from Christ. We want to let Him speak. Um, Now, I should say we don't believe that He is literally speaking through us. We do believe that He's speaking through His Word, and so uh, there may be times where we uh, are inaccurate. We we will make mistakes and things like that. Um, we're counting on you as a listener to tell us about that and talk to us about that and uh, encourage us in those ways um, if we're wrong we want our listeners to help us and so we want we want this to be all about god um, and, and and the great thing about that is it doesn't become you know my church versus your church or his beliefs versus his beliefs uh, we're declaring the glory of God also one of the big important things that that are, should be one of the goals and this maybe maybe this is sort of a negative goal bryant but uh, our our goal here is not to be mm. too ambitious um we have seen and understood uh through many people and and we've even seen some things like this in in the work sometimes where someone starts something that ostensibly is a religious thing or a bible oriented thing and Their goal seems to be they're going to try and go and convert the whole world. Well, I'll tell you right now, we're not trying to convert the whole world with this podcast. I I believe to do so would be naive, and I think it would be to the point where it would bring ambition to things. So let me tell you this straight up. We're not going to be asking money from you for this. We're not going to be uh, asking you to contribute. You know, a lot of people, a lot of podcasters and a lot of YouTube people will do something called Patreon, where you, you know, toss in money to help support them in doing this podcast. We're not going to ask you for that because we're blessed to be parts of congregations that are helping to support us. And uh, we're blessed to be able to, you know, even have secular jobs that help us from time to time. Um, And so that support comes from there. All we're trying to do with this podcast is, as someone said, put a rock in people's shoes from time to time. Um, our ambition is to help you think about God's will, and from time to time, we may have to give you something that causes a problem for you. But but we're just offering a window into the Bible that some people may never get to see in their whole lives. And again, I'm not trying to put our teaching like up on this pedestal here. But I mean. Would you agree, Brian? That uh, you know, I I think the way that the way that we study the Bible together, I don't see that in right. too many places. Yeah.
0: Definitely agree with that. Yeah,
1: and and that's not to again, that's not to glorify us because all we're doing is we're looking at the Word. We're letting we're l- letting God inform us about these right.
0: things. Yeah, Stephen. If I could just interject to you know what you often have, and Stephen and I have talked about this before. But there tends to be a habit of feeling like you're reading and studying the Bible when you actually are not. And what I mean by that is oftentimes the Bible becomes the reference to whatever other book someone else wrote on a particular subject or book of the Bible. And that's not what we're trying to do. Uh, what, what, what we would like is for uh, uh, a f- deeper understanding of how amazing the word is even on its own standing and even without a workbook or uh, a study book not that those things are wrong but what often happens is the supplement becomes the main focus and the focus becomes the supplement and we just have to be very careful that the bible doesn't become a supplement and you, you see that too with bibles that are filled with more commentary than biblical text so you'll see like three quarters of the page is commentary one quarter of the page is the text itself and that kind of is a sign of uh something that has gone wrong um when when the scriptures are filled more with man's writings than the scripture itself and so um we we want to we want to glorify the text and 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 we want to um, understand the text by the text, which is something we we can do. Um, but again, as as Stephen said, that's uh, that that can seem unusual, actually, but it it shouldn't be.
1: Right, and, and you know, obviously, we we've had experiences where we come across people who are studying in some places. Like we'll go to a place to study, and uh, we find another group that's studying, and we're like, well, hey, what are you studying? And typically the answer is they're studying a book, uh, by a theologian or they're studying a book that someone wrote instead of saying, Hey, mm-hmm, we're studying mm-hmm. John right. or Hey, we're studying Mark, you know, um, Brian, do you have any particular hopes for this podcast? Do you have any kind of things that, that come to your mind that, uh, that you want to see happen from this?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of like those references in John seventeen three and 1 Corinthians 2, um, I think oftentimes um, it's easy to look at everything outside of um, just specific commands that we need to obey almost as if they're less important. But when we understand the goal is to have a deepened faith that comes from knowing the Father, that itself deepens our obedience and our desire to obey, the whole Bible becomes an essential and very beautiful and, and quite extraordinary communication by God to accomplish the purpose of cultivating faith. And so I uh, hope I have is, you know, that through reading these things and talking about them, that uh, that God would help us to have a deepened faith, um, that we would come to know the Father through these things in a more intimate way. And uh, through that, Um, to really just stand in awe of God more reverently and through those things to have a deeper desire to um, obey God and and keep his commandments. Um, And so to love God, to know God more intimately, that that definitely is a foremost hope Um, that through this study, not just Stephen and I, but anybody who's listening, that just by listening and studying with us that you as well um, would come to know the father in ways that, that either uh, cultivate faith if there is not faith yet. Um, but if there is faith to deepen that faith and that we can together draw closer to God uh, through the means that he's given for that very purpose. Uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Absolutely. I would, I would agree
1: with that hope. <laughs> um, you know, also uh you know my big hope personally is just the idea that well you know hopefully uh, this can this can help me in some ways uh, to deepen sort of my study and what you know uh, what I want my teaching to be and uh, I think hope both of us kind of hope that anything we do, any study that we enter into, any kind of effort that we have will uh, ultimately be mm. for our benefit uh, not just not just in terms of the benefit of others but for, right. for ourselves in our personal lives uh, mm. as well as our teaching um, and so that's kind of my hope is that you know doing this podcast will uh, will really encourage me uh, to 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 sort of fine-tune. Mm a lot of things what I'm doing uh, in terms of what I'm doing as a a preacher as a teacher of God's word um, you know I I think that's one of my big hopes here as well yeah amen so Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, so the evening and the morning were the second day. Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens, to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and seasons, and for days and years. Let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens, to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created Great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good, and God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind' Cattle, and creeping thing, and beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle I have given you every herb that yields seed which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. Also, to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. This is the time of the show where we want to make just some quick initial observations, and we might call this takeaway elements of this chapter.
0: And uh, Bryant, what what are some things that kind of jumped out at you in that reading? Well, something I was uh, thinking about as you were reading is just how focused uh, God was with each day. Um, you know, there was such a clear and very distinct purpose with every day, and he didn't he didn't get distracted from that purpose at any point and when the purpose was fulfilled the day was done so it's like he had a goal and the goal was accomplished and that was the day uh so that that was interesting and uh just the order of the the creation is interesting as well with the way that some of these days kind of fit together so Day one, you know, he separated light from darkness. Day two was the separation of the waters. Day three was the earth bringing forth grass and seed and fruit and trees. But then the, the latter three days fill the first three. So day four fills day one. So the light and the dark are filled with stars, the sun, the moon. Day five fills day two the birds and the fish fill the separation of the waters and the firmaments above and the sea below. Uh, and then day six fills day three with the beasts, the insects and man. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. And I uh, guess uh, just, the the last thing I'll mention just kind of as a takeaway is it's also very interesting, not just in this chapter, but in Genesis in general, it's a book of separation and division. Um, uh, which is interesting because god is holy and holiness just literally is to be separated uh dividing is through this whole chapter um so a lot of what god does here he's separating and dividing so he creates but in all the creation he's separating one thing from another so for instance just as an example verse 4 god divided light from darkness uh verse 6 he divided the waters Uh, and then the, the lights in the heavens on day four, he divided, uh, he divided one light from the other, um, dividing day and night distinctly. Uh, so just think that that's very, very interesting how much we see that in the first chapter, um, separation and division. Uh, so just maybe something to, to kind of keep in mind.
1: Yeah. It sounds like that's something that we may want to keep an eye open for, all throughout the word, right? Because um, I think mm, one thing, mm-hmm. one of the things we see throughout the Bible, and again, you know, not not pushing this too far right now, but um, I, I believe that God loves diversity. Um, you know, the, the question might come up: mm, Why didn't mm-hmm. He just create man and that be it? And just well, He just got man, or why did He, why did He, why didn't He create just one type of animal? that would be throughout all the earth. Why couldn't he create one type of animal that would be in the sea and on the land and just interchangeable, mm. you know? Um, I think it's because he likes diversity. He likes different things. And yet, in his creation, there is an order to this. Um, it, but we'll, we can talk a little bit more about that um, in the next section. But uh, but I appreciate that as far as just initial things. Um, some of the things that I noticed was, I mean, obviously, the simplicity of the language, um, this is not something that, uh, that we're getting very deep into, right? Uh, we don't really have a whole lot of explanation uh, as to, I mean, you might say the nuts and bolts as to how God did all this. You know, we know that he formed it based on the text. And I think, again, we're getting to sort of a faith aspect of understanding this text. Um, there has been a controversy about these days and i think especially since the advent of uh uh you know the understanding of evolution within the past 200 years um you know uh, i think what you've got is a shift where for example you know when you look at creation science and things like that there's been a idea put forward that these are not literal days um, but again, as far as my initial observations here, I think I think we're talking about literal days. Why? Because that's how the text describes it. And maybe that might sound limited or you know stilted to some people. But uh, you know, it, it again, if the Bible doesn't really have the power, if the Bible really doesn't uh, have any kind of influence in terms of this, uh, then is there any usefulness to it at all? I mean, I, w- I would suggest that that we need to take the Bible as it is. Um, now, there are some things, obviously, uh, the Bible uses figurative language in some places. Um, the Bible is going to use more literal language in other, in other places. But I'm not really sure that this is figurative here. I think someone would really have to make a case for me on that. Um, I've looked at some, some places with that, that that would suggest that each of these days represented millions and millions of years. And again, it's like, well, I don't, I'm not sure that I see that.
0: Uh, What are your thoughts on that, Bryant? Yeah, I think it's just like you said. Um, There's not an indication that we should be taking the days uh, figuratively. And um, it seems like we have every reason to just take it, take it as it's said.
1: Well, I think, I think there's a power to that at the same time. Uh, that we can appreciate. Yeah. But maybe we'll get a little bit more into it in the next section. to talk about the theme of this chapter and we want to kind of maybe stretch out some some concepts that we introduced in the last section uh, as well as maybe introduce some other things because we want to kind of get to the core of what is going on in this chapter that's what we want to do we want to get as deep as possible uh, within this limited period of time uh, to consider you know what is this text really telling us what is this really saying what is it saying about God? What is it saying about life? What is it saying about those who wrote this? What is it saying about those who, uh, the audience, you know, we, we want to think about that in any book of the Bible. We want to think about who wrote it, uh, who was going to be reading it, uh, what it's saying to them, and what it's supposed to be saying to us ultimately. Cause we need to parse and divvy that out, right? Uh, the, the, the spiritual person discerns these things. And again, not vaulting ourselves up here, because anybody can be spiritual, um, because it just means you have a focus on what God wants. And so, so the point of this, and I think you know, when when you look at the author, uh, I think most scholars would agree that the first five books of the Bible, also called the Pentateuch, were written by Moses. I, I, I say a, a lot of scholars, a lot of religious scholars, uh, would would have that. Focus uh, we know that Moses, uh, according to the book of Hebrews, uh, Moses was trained in all the arts of the Egyptians, and so there's no way there's certainly a sense where he would be in some ways literate enough to put something together like this so I think there's a possibility that I think it's a very real possibility, and in fact, I believe that he wrote it but uh, but why did he write this? Why did he write chapter one of Genesis? Well, I think one of the things we do see in this, we see the Jewish, I would say the Jewish week represented or the Hebrew week, uh, because what do we have in these uh, six days? We've got six days of creation and we're going to see in chapter one that God rests on the seventh day, which was the Sabbath day for the Hebrew. That was, that was the time to, to rest from his work. He wasn't supposed to work on, on that last day of the week. And so I think there is a sense there where for the immediate context, uh, this is establishing that um, it's establishing, I think, the purpose of creation. Uh, uh, Why did God do this? Um, You know, we may not know all the reasons why, but I think it points to one thing. And that one thing I think is goodness. And at every point in this chapter, when God is creating these things and putting them out there. Uh, there's a goodness inherent in everything that God made and Bryant, you brought up a really good point uh and I'd love for you to expand on this too um I I I don't know maybe maybe you unintentionally brought it up but I hadn't seen this before really where you have an abundance in everything that God creates you know um uh you've got these lights set together uh but but then you see in verse uh, verse 12 you know the earth brought forth its its kind all the seed came out and then we see in uh in verse 20 let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures um and i'm just i'm just picturing in my mind a school of fish just exploding <laughs> you know you can see this in the sea from time to time Uh, where you got the fish kind of going right past the camera. But this was something where all these, you know, every kind of uh, thing was abundant in this. You know, same thing with, I I believe, with the winged birds. Um, And then let the earth bring forth a living creature. Uh, So all these things came forth uh, in verses uh, 24 and 25. Uh, So there's an abundance here, right? And even then... You have almost a command from God to mankind. Once He creates man, look at verse twenty-eight: "Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it." So, there, you know, part of mankind's mission, according to this chapter, was to fill the earth uh, with an abundance of people. Um, so, there is goodness, there is abundance here. You know, what what are some things that that might come to your mind in terms of that,
0: Bryant? Yeah, I'll just kind of mention, um, and maybe these can elicit some more conversations, but it is astounding how much this text teaches about complex characteristics of who God is in ways that it's not just saying like, hey, God gives abundance. You know, It's like you observe it and you learn about it through observing what he did. And that's the Bible. We're learning about God by observing what he's done because who he is is so deep and so vast. There's no better way to come to know him. And so I think you're exactly right that there's just so much in this chapter that is so incredible. You know, like I mentioned already, we learn about God's holiness. We learn about his patience because he waits until the sixth day to create man. And so he's willing to wait. He's willing He's willing to let a day pass and then do some more work on the next day. Uh, We learn about God's focus on exalting man. We learn about the image of God with the dominion of man. Uh, There's just so many things that we learn, you know, that God, for instance, another thing, you know, that God is the source of light and life. Uh, And the abundance is such a good point, you know, because God's graciousness is so evident. You know, I'm really glad that you pointed that out. You know, God just being so generous, um, to, to give so much, you know, he didn't just create the world to be barely adequate to sustain life. He created it to be a over adequate and a adequate, you know, really just doesn't even touch just what, what he did in cultivating life. Uh, you know, and it's also interesting 11 through 13 that, um, God created, Life that could be produced through death, and I think that's very interesting as well because of the focus on seed um, that He purposely created something that cannot yield life unless it first dies. In um, First Corinthians thirteen thirty-five, you know, or fifteen thirty-five rather, references that in relation to the resurrection. And so that you pointing that out uh, about what that teaches about God, uh, I think is very very good, and and definitely um, I think is. Certainly something that God intended for us to learn uh, by observing that well,
1: you just kind of blew my mind too because you know in eleven you mentioned eleven through thirteen um is this the first glimmer of the messianic promise you know I, I'm just kind of thinking about that because it's like what did what does Paul talk about in Romans except that you know at, at that one point he's talking about you know the death of the son provided for our life right. And mm, you know, yeah. just as through one man uh you know, all died, so through one man all will live. And I'm I'm paraphrasing that. But uh you know, that's an interesting point to bring up because you know creation I, I think we can make this point, right? Creation, nature tells us something about God. Now Absolutely. I, I can't go out into the forest and find out about how I can be saved from my sins, and we're not saying that at all. But we are saying that nature tells us that God is there. Nature tells us that there is an order to things. Nature tells us that, uh, that there is a, a symbolic sense, even a figurative sense, because you know, when we know uh, the plan of salvation in scriptures, when we know who, who God is, when we know who Christ is, we can even look into things in this life and see little glimmers of that that, that, that make sense you know, for us to have life, Jesus had to die. And and be raised, of course. Uh but at the same time, you know, Jesus himself, I think it's John chapter eight where he's talking about I'm the vine, you are the branches. Even comparing himself to these things that, that God is creating way back here in Genesis chapter one. Uh so I, I just think that that really just <laughs> that's just an amazing, amazing thought.
0: Yeah, and I think something else kind of on that note too that uh he it seems like God created everything so that light and life would be sought out by man so he created the world where there is observable darkness he created the moon and the stars to still create a degree of light in the darkness but man yearns for the light man sees his need for light so he seeks out light Uh, oftentimes you know there will be scriptures talking about waiting for the day to appear You know, God designed it where we would seek light and ultimately, I think, seek the sun because it illuminates everything and gives us life and warmth. Uh, But think about life from the land when God at the end, blessed man, and said, I've given you the herb. So we hunger for life. We gain life by digesting life. And so just the way God designed this is, is very, very interesting. And it certainly attests, again, to what we observe around us that God designed life and light to be pursued and for us to see our need for it and for it to even be something we naturally crave. And if those things ultimately come from him, well, then ultimately God, through those things, is drawing us to himself. That's a very
1: good point. And, and I think what we're going to see in in the next time we get together on this is we're going to see that, that uh, well, the next two times, uh, we're going to see that ultimately A taking away of that you know some people may be listening to this well you know this doesn't make sense you know we don't really have everything um and the world does not look like this what we're describing here out of genesis chapter one and uh you know hopefully what we'll see as we go through is the reason for that you know why why are we here you know and that's one of the big questions of life right why am i here why is existence like this why is this world like this? And we believe that the Bible answers all those questions. Mm. And so you know hopefully our listeners can can stay with us on this as we continue to walk through the book.
2: Praise God.
1: We're going to go into our final section here and this is a section that we want to talk about in terms of application um, we can study through the bible we can look through everything in it but if we don't make application primarily to ourselves and to the things that we see around us if we don't make application then ultimately it's really not going to do us much good we can listen to a nice sounding sermon. We can listen. We can go to a Bible study and feel like, oh yeah, well, I really did a good thing there. Uh, but at the end of the day, what has it really helped with? Um, how are we supposed to take this in and, and to allow that to to change us? Well, there, there are a few things that I'd like to point out, and then you know, of course, we want to anything that that Bryant has uh, to to think about here. But you know, obviously, when we look at the whole of Scripture. John refers to God in his letters toward the end of the New Testament, that God is love. And from that, we get the idea that everything that God does and everything that God says is motivated by love. And so if we kind of take that back and understand this from that aspect, we can appreciate that God had the love necessary to bring the world and all existence into creation. He didn't have to do this. Um, I, I really don't think that, that God creating, and, and, and this chapter doesn't seem to point that out at all. God didn't need to create all these things. You know, some people get the sense that like, well, you know, God needs us or, or that, you know, uh, God needs us to worship him well enough and things like that. Um, but I'm not sure, I'm not sure that's the case <laughs> because it seems like God just had the idea to do these things and he did them. And he did them, I think, out of grace, out of mercy, out of love. And the wonderful thing about that is, the outcome of that is, as we've talked about, God being holy and good, God infuses everything he does and creates with that same goodness. And so everything that God created, and we're seeing that over and over in this chapter, he sees what he did, and it was good. And at the end, of course, it was very good. And so we can be assured, this is a wonderful takeaway here, we can be assured that when we come into the world we are perfect and i say that very very clearly because there are some people out there that have uh uh, what i believe and what bryant believes to be an erroneous view of this Uh, some people try to say we come in with sin staining us or we come into this world wicked Uh, as we see in the bible story it is indeed sin that destroys us but we come into this world in a place where we are perfect And it's our sin. It's our voluntary sin that destroys us. It is not the qualities of God. It's not what God has done in creating us and bringing our life about that stains us, right? And at the same time, it's not the high standard of God uh, that that God is calling us to. That's not what destroys us. It's sin that destroys us. And we'll see that again over and over and over in terms of the book. Now, another thing. While we may not know all the reasons why God did this, you know, I think obviously love goes back to it, but we may not know all the reasons why we may not have all the nuts and bolts as to how he did all of these things exactly, but we can gain strength and encouragement that we can serve such a God. There are religions in this world, uh, and there have been religions in the past that, uh, that would be almost even afraid of the idea of worshiping a creator God. Uh, As I've understood, the ancient Egyptians even had an understanding that there was a creator God, but they were so, uh, that their feelings were, their thoughts were seemingly was that such a God would be so powerful. There's no way they could possibly worship him, which doesn't make sense. You know, I mean, I I guess from a biblical worldview, it doesn't make sense, Uh, but I guess, when you're making your gods, when you're making your religions based on yourself and making your religions based on what mankind says uh, and what I want and me, 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 then yeah, the idea of a creator God becomes pretty intimidating, I would think. But the wonderful thing about the Bible story is that we understand that through Christ, we can have a relationship with him. Colossians 1 and verse 13 says he has delivered us, talking about God. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him, and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Now, Brian, one other thing that passage tells us, too, is that obviously Jesus was present at this creation. Would you agree with that? Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so, we see he is the firstborn over all creation, meaning in terms of his place, but by him all things were created. Uh, the image we get from the Bible is that the Father, God the Father, had the idea, he had the the blueprint, you might say, and God the Son carried out the work of creation. And we even see the Spirit of God. We see the Spirit of God in verse 2, hovering over the face of the waters. So all three parts of uh, all three persons within the Godhead are uh, are represented here and so we can appreciate that so I I think ultimately that helps us to be able to know that this is not some super powerful God that is distant and and removed from us you know Paul in uh, Acts 17 talks about the unknown God that they had in Athens that the and and he says well listen I want to talk to you about this unknown God the one that you do not know and the thing is do we do we want to think that well there's no way I can know god or do I do I have to look back and understand well I got to want to know god so anyway that's <laughs> I probably went a little deeper than I needed to there but Brian what are what are some applications that kind of come
0: to your mind here boy it's tough where to begin um so I think kind of starting out Uh, There's actually kingdom language in Genesis 1 uh, that I think, you know, Genesis, uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier before we started the podcast, but Genesis, you know, is such an incredible book because so many things that Jesus did, accomplished and fulfilled and who Jesus is and what the church is are foreshadowed in types and figures in Genesis in many different ways uh, that aren't explicitly stated. And that's something we'll see as we go through this. But so Genesis 1, uh, verse, let's see, 18. Uh, So the greater lights, you know, God gave to rule and have dominion. And there's a greater light that God made to rule the day. Uh, So really that light you know, has has great dominion. And John, uh, one, John one verse nine says that Jesus is the true light which gives light to every man, just as the sun gives light to every man. So it is interesting that in Genesis one, verse uh, verse twenty eight, God created man to have dominion, but that dominion is not over the sun or the lights in the heavens. So while He gave man dominion it was a degree of dominion that is still subject to a greater dominion uh, and I think that's what we see in the kingdom is Jesus has all dominion and those who are in that kingdom are subject to that dominion now they themselves are blessed in ways that they're able to share in that dominion but not over the greater dominion of the son uh, just as in the creation God set the lights to have dominion over all things um, so I think that's interesting kind of the kingdom language that's, that's in Genesis 1 uh, so that I think is we an learned some point, and I want to
1: yeah. I want to kind of let, let me let me just interject here. Yeah, too, go ahead. That, go ahead. You know, yeah, go ahead. It, it it'll really be of use to our listeners uh, to to think about this. You know, we've got references in the New Testament of random people, different people looking for the kingdom of God, searching for the kingdom of God. Um, let me suggest that that as we go through the Bible together, look for the kingdom of God. And that's yeah, that's amen. what we just looked at. That's what that's the point that you just br- brought up because the kingdom of God is a relationship with God. It's a relationship where we say, "I'm going to allow God to rule my life." Uh, right. He's going to he's going to control me. He's going he's going to be my
0: king. I think another application really is uh, starting in verse 1 and 2. So Abraham in Romans 4 the basis of his faith that connects us all to his faith is that he believed that God can fulfill his promises, even when that involves calling into being that which currently does not exist. So I think something we learn in Genesis one, if God has created something and in one and two, the earth was void and without form. Now did the formlessness and the complete voidness of life nullify God's power to radically change that to the point where there was an abundance of life and order from that chaos. Well, no, it did not at all. Uh, and so this really is very encouraging because God through his word then is able to bring life and order where it currently does not exist. And that's salvation. Salvation, not just in the initial forgiveness of sins, but really the the basis of, of faith is that God can perform what he says In my life where there is deadness and he's able to cultivate life where it currently does not exist. And we see that in Genesis chapter one. Uh, you know, and that's, that's, that's something that draws us near to God continuously. That when I've sinned, when I've destroyed what God has given me in creating me in his image, if God says that he can, he can bring me back into his image, he can conform me to the image of Jesus. Well, it doesn't matter where my life is when I hear the message. If I believe he can do that in the way that he's communicated it, then he can fulfill that promise because he created life where there was no life. When there was no form to the earth, he gave it form. And it was a very patient, very purposed process. And so I think that's another application of faith that we can learn from this too. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on that, Stephen?
1: Oh, no, uh, not really. I think you put it uh, perfectly and uh, you know one of the things that that we can kind of maybe sum up on uh, on this point is that um you know god god has left us this for a purpose right and uh, so it's up to us to understand it it's up to us to appreciate it and uh, to know that he intends good for us right. in this right 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 and just just as he intended good for creation he intended good for mankind Uh, He intends good for us right now. So I
0: appreciate that so much. Very well said. Yeah. And I think verse 16 is another one that I think it can be application as well. Uh, And it's kind of an unusual part of verse 16, but that just really strikes me. It's really the end of the verse where it's like thrown in as a side note. Then he made the stars also. I think that kind of summarizes the whole chapter in a way. Uh, You know, God could really go into an incredible depth of detail that could astound us and amaze us with all the different galaxies and worlds and just all the different things that he did with all the stars, but he's not interested in talking about that. Well, why is that? Well, it's really a demonstration of God's humility. God's not interested in showing off. He's not interested in, in giving us things that are overly complicated and intellectual. And that's why I think this order of creation is such a stumbling mm-hmm. block to people oftentimes is it's so simple, but that's God's habit. God funnels incredibly complex ideas that have so many intricate, difficult things going on to make it happen, but he funnels it through to communicate those complicated things in the easiest way for even the simple to understand And that's what he's done in Jesus. Ultimately That's an awesome point is God has made very difficult things, very easy to understand. And we need to respect that simplicity. But it's a demonstration of his humility because it shows his understanding of our minds. It shows his love and concern for us. And it shows that he's striving to connect with us as well. And so application is then I need to seek God humbly as he's humbly sought me and that's very encouraging that we can seek God and that God is interested in coming down to my level. And That's very important, I think, and really gives me a lot of encouragement that uh, I c- I can seek God, that I can know God, and that he has communicated in a way that I can grasp it, I can understand it. Uh, so I I think that's that's another application. Um, and there's, there's just one more thing I'll point out, but do you have any thoughts on that, Stephen? No, not at all. Go ahead. So the last thing I was going to point out is uh really verse um let's see uh where did it go uh it's verse three and four so god saw the light that it was good so god god recognizes the light he sees the light and he's also he calls it good so i think there's something in authority in that that god god has the authority to recognize what is good you can trust that when he says something is good that it is good but I think from that you can also trust that what is good is associated with light, because that's the very first thing he saw was good. And so if I want to know what's good, then I need to seek it according to God's authority and definition of what is good. And if God hasn't said it's good, well, he doesn't recognize, he doesn't recognize that. Uh, and that's that's the problem is is sin is associated with darkness. And I can't be recognized with God until I get back into the light. And my life can be light, but it must be light because God will not recognize me unless I am in the light and I abide in that light. Uh, so just God's authority in that, but also his authority to determine what is good and recognize what is good, I think is, is very important. So
1: what you're saying is ultimately that we need to do things the way that that the creator has set them up. And, uh, Live in the way that the Creator has said. And again, getting back to the world's intimidation with that concept, I think you know the root of it goes back to we don't want to change. Um, we want to kind of keep going the way that we've been going, um, or maybe we we feel like we don't know how to change, or maybe mm. we feel like you know this is it, it must be more complex than this. It must there must be more to it than this. Um, but there's not really. Uh, uh, th- you know, there's more that we could think about and speculate about. But you know, how much good is that going to do our soul, um, really? So I, I think you raise a very good point there—that God, God intends good for us, and it's only it's only in us going back to Him that we'll truly be able to live. And so, very well said. Well, we thank you for spending time with us in this first episode of walking through the book. If you'd like to get in touch with us, we have an email at protonmail.com. That's walking through the book at protonmail.com. And you can email us uh, whatever questions or concerns you have. Uh, And we want to deal with those questions. We're not just going to ignore them uh, unless they're uh, questions that are kind of, you know, if they're ridiculous. If you're going to ask us, you know, uh, what color we, you know, we want our... Car to be, or you know, uh, if you're going to ask us about, you know, uh, what what do we think about uh, about politics? What do we think about this or that? Uh, I'll tell you, this is not the show for that. Um, we're not going to be looking into the things of men. We're, we're looking at the things of God, and uh, so, uh, but but please reach out to us. Uh, we want to know uh, what you think about this show, and uh, we want to do our best to properly convey the truth of God to you as we go through. So again, walking through the book at protonmail.com. Hopefully you can get in touch with us there. Uh, Bryant, any closing
0: thoughts? No, I just really appreciated, uh, the study. Um, very, very good. And, uh, ditto Stephen's thoughts. Um, if there's any questions, we would certainly be glad to, uh, answer those and, um, I hope that uh, anyone who's listening has uh, benefited from the study.
1: All right. Study well and be lights to his glory. Amen. We'll uh, talk again very soon.